Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. New footage airs during Scorpion. Ido Goldberg poses as Red Tornado. And we talk about Hank Henshaw. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And my name is Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about the character of Hank Henshaw and the Department of Extra Normal Operations. But before we get to our discussion, we have... The News. New footage of Supergirl aired during the premiere of Scorpion on CBS. Uh, It included lots of cool new stuff, uh, including a new promotional video of Melissa Benoist in the Supergirl costume. Um, Which was very cool because it it felt very capey. There was a lot of red stuff in there that looked like it was sort of mimicking her cape. Yeah. No, it was awesome. And and it was like kind of like a lot of inspirational shots, too. Mm -hmm, It was very cool. mm Um, Supergirl using her super hearing while flying over the city, which I actually really liked how they handled that. Yeah, you got to see the the moment where she sees whatever she's hearing, or she hears whatever she's hearing. It was a a cool reaction from uh, Melissa Benoist. Yeah, and it was really clear, too, like, that that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, all she had to do was, like, listen and then be like, okay, I got it. It wasn't like a special effect where all of a sudden you see, you know, colors changing and she's Mm -hmm. listening to things. Um, Acting. Exactly, because Melissa Benoist can act, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. (laughs) Uh, Supergirl was also at the scene of an accident of some kind. Um, And during that, another shot has her using her freeze breath, it looks like in that same scene, as well as, you know, ripping a car door off with her bare hands. (laughs) Yeah, I'm assuming she's like putting out a fire of some kind using her freeze breath and i think in in what i'm trying to gather from the context of those shots it looks like there's also a man wearing some kind of suit who is shooting off some kind of blasts um from the suit and i'm thinking that's reactron um mm. we got a a couple of shots from from an individual look like a man who has these some kind of uh, bright blast that sort of look like fire. Um, there's also another shot of the same kind of blast, like at night. It almost looks like the um, Priori Incantatum from Harry Potter uh, yeah. between, you know, Voldemort. Uh, Voldemort. Yes. Uh, not not Voldemort, we've discovered. It's Voldemort. Voldemort. Uh, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, how you Makes speak sense. French. Hey, um, it's a French thing. Yeah. Um, between Voldemort and uh, Harry Potter. And so there's a similar kind of shot between Supergirl and this guy with the the kind of the heat blasts. And there's another shot of this, I'm thinking the same guy because he's got the same mask on and everything. Mm -hmm. And I am pretty sure that guy is Reactron because there's this thing that goes over his shoulders. Uh, We see see Supergirl like kick him or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's got... He's got yeah, this he's got like that central like power source. It's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. So I think all of that is Reactron doing his radioactive thing. I mean, it would make sense, especially since we know that he's definitely going to be on the show. That would be um, our best guess for who that is. Um, one of the other surprising figures in this bit of footage is uh, this really creepy dude whose mouth whose jaw opens up super wide and is hugely disgusting um (laughs) if you you know if you watch the the footage on youtube and it is available there um you'll see that they're looking on the uh the monitors at the deo at this like alien looking dude and then you see him in the the live action footage and we're thinking that he might be helgramite 
because um, the the actor kind of looks like Justice League, although yeah. it's hard to tell with his face all displayed <laughs> yeah. like that. We only see really half of his face. And the, the other half is just hideous. And but it, it you know, it would make sense if it were Helgramite because you do kind of see um, kind of like pincery looking things, like very kind of insecty looking things coming out of his the lower part of his jaw that look like they could be maybe venomous or something. So um, yeah, that was my first thought was Helgramite. And I wondered if there's another shot in the trailer or this sneak peek, sizzle reel, whatever you want to call it. Um, where there's a there's a man who jumps really high and lands on top of a truck, and I thought maybe that was Helgramite too. Um, I first dismissed it because I was like, well, Helgramite probably will look like a bug, not like a man. But now that we've you know have this other shot that has this guy with this crazy looking jaw who sort of looks like a man, that might be Helgramite because I I know we talked about how Helgramite has these really um, this ability to jump really high. So when I saw the guy in uh, this footage who did that on top of the truck, I- I'm thinking that's Helgramite jumping to go after somebody. Yeah. So I, I was surprised by how much Helgramite I think we got in this trailer. I was actually kind of hoping we would see, even though I'm like really creeped out by the character of Helgramite, I was really kind of hoping we would see some of him. So I think we got a lot of him. Yeah, no, and it looks like he might be somebody that we're dealing with up front. I mean, it seems like they're they're kind of introducing both uh, Helgramite and Reactron in this footage. So I feel like that those are going to be like the first two villains, you know, Supergirl interacts with. Oh, yeah. Some other people that we see, uh, there is a shot of Cat Grant, uh, and she's with Maxwell Lord. And it looks like they were kind of dancing and being flirty at a party, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was really interesting. And then you kind of see... Um, Maxwell Lord a little later kind of walking with Cat Grant's son like you know welcome to the future he says or something like that yeah um so clearly it looks like they have some kind of relationship um you know especially since he's you know he seems to be in good not only with uh Cat but with her son as well yeah and I'm really kind of concerned about Cat Grant and her son Carter because there's another shot in this a bit of footage where Supergirl's like pushing some doors open using her super strength and it looks like she's going in to rescue somebody and there's there's a <laughs> there's some legs in that shot with her and it sort of looks like it might be a kid um just cuz it's somebody wearing jeans and uh, it sort of looks like this this environment where wherever he was uh where mm. Carter was with Maxwell Lord and so I'm starting to wonder if Maxwell Lord maybe kidnaps her son and takes him hostage somewhere or something. I don't know. And Supergirl has to come in and find him. So I'm yeah. I'm worried <laughs> for, for for them about what Maxwell Lord maybe wants with them. Yeah, so I'm like you do not mess. You do not mess with kids. I will throw things. <laughs> like no, but of course Supergirl will be on the case. Um, and uh, also, I have to say, there was some really kind of badass footage of yeah. Alex Danvers um, that, you know, she's she's chasing after somebody, shooting a gun outside out the side of a truck. Um, and also this really interesting, you know, image of, you know, Alex flipping Supergirl in a room that's like kind of lighted green. So it might, you know, have something to do with kryptonite, like, you know, because otherwise, how else would Alex be flipping Supergirl? Yeah. Yeah, I um I'm really interested to see why this is happening. I wonder if they're testing her weakness because obviously if if that is kryptonite that they know kryptonite can affect her and maybe they're trying to f- see how far they can push it, you know, how f- how far kryptonite can dampen her powers. So I'm really and and, and that's to me, that's very interesting that Alex is the one to do it, you know, yeah. uh, to have her sister be the one to <laughs> flip her. I mean, she physically flips her in the air. So that uh, and I guess it's better to have her sister do it than some other person who might hurt her a little more. But, yeah. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of the more intriguing shots in this footage. Yeah. And, and you know, I feel like it would be the person that she trusts the most, yeah. you know. Um, to be doing that with her. Um, something that we didn't really talk about is that they mention at the beginning of the of the new footage that um, the DEO is talking about Fort Roz having fallen from the sky. Um, 
and having all these, you know, prisoners that like the most dangerous prisoners in the universe are now on the loose. So it's kind of interesting that like that's the premise for for Supergirl that you know, the reason why, you know, she's going to have a lot more to do is because all of these, you know, criminals from everywhere are now running loose and she'll have to help out with that. That's a good way to get creepy, weird villains into your show. Just have exactly. them all escape from a, a, an alien prison. Just drop a prison on the planet. That's great. Um there's also, speaking of like, you know, female on female fighting, um, something that looks a little more sinister uh, is uh, Supergirl kind of in midair fighting this other female character. And um, I mean, the other female character we've heard that's a villain coming up so far is Livewire. So, you know, it's a good chance that maybe that's some footage of, of a future Livewire fight. Yeah, it sort of looks like that. Uh because in the background of the shot, they're in like some kind of warehouse and there's a whole bunch of electricity going off like sparks and, and things. Yeah. Uh, kind of lighting up the room. So, yeah, I, I assumed that was Livewire. Mm-hmm. Which is really, really cool because, uh, yeah, that, I, that watching that kick in midair, I was like, yeah, that looks so awesome. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. So then there's this uh, kind of disturbing and interesting shot of... Supergirl kind of, you know, being shocked awake and it looks like she's trapped in this room. Um, She kind of wakes up lying down somewhere uh, in this brightly lit, mysterious looking place. So I don't know if she's, you know, waking up from a dream, if she's like shocked because she had a nightmare or if she's shocked because, you know, somebody trapped her. Yeah, she looks like she's on some sort of table that might be in a lab or a medical facility, like maybe she's being tested or experimented on. So it definitely does not look like a friendly environment. Yeah, it's very, the brightly lit, you know, thing kind of tips it off. It's like, that doesn't look like something that anyone would have in their house. Yeah, you know? she's, <laughs> she's not at home uh, waking up from a nap, I don't think. No. Um, oh, also, there's a really funny uh, thing at the end of the footage where, you know, apparently Supergirl is meeting both James Olsen and uh, Wynne Schott. And uh, she kind of appears in front of both of them as Supergirl, and they they both realize that the other knows who she is. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute because I mean I don't know in this if if in the scene she will explain it, but in in this footage she just kind of smiles like, "Yep, that that happened." <laughs> yep, you both uh, know. So, it's fine. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a cute way to end. Uh, this little sizzle, sizzle reel slash trailer, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I don't know about you, Teresa, but after watching this, I'm even more excited about the show because I think oh, yeah. all of this is really, I mean, we know a lot about what's coming uh, because of the casting news and all of that, but I'm still like, well, what is, what is this? What is happening here? I want to I see more of this. Like, I'm, I'm actually really excited by what they put out. Definitely. I'm really uh, just all of these images. I'm really curious as to how it all comes together and what the actual vibe of the show is going to be throughout the season and and how they're going to incorporate all of this. Um, Actually, something else interesting from this footage is uh, some of uh, Kara's voiceover talks about um, the the world doesn't just have one hero anymore. Now it has Supergirl. And it's interesting because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about whether there's going to be a crossover, whether there's, you know, we're going to see the Flash or Arrow or whatever. But so far from this, it seems like in this universe that they're building, there's Superman and now there's Supergirl. Yeah. And, I, and either they don't know about other heroes yet or there aren't any. And it's just going to be the two of them defending the planet. But um, but it seems very clear, yeah, from that, that it's just, you know, Superman has been holding it down by himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. And now, <laughs> you know, he has her help, which is cool. Yeah. And that also probably means there is no Batman or Wonder Woman or Aquaman. Right. Um, yeah. It, in, it didn't in this feel universe. like a world. Yeah. It didn't feel like that. Like this is a world that knows about superheroes. Like right. they, don't, they don't have a league. They don't have, you know, anything right. uh, like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited as well. Uh, seeing the more footage they show, the more I'm like, this is going to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, it definitely feels like a show that I'm going to want to watch every week. And of course, we are podcasting about it every week. But it, it feels like a show that I'm, I'm really going to enjoy and want to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that they put that out because it's, it's still a couple of weeks away. 
but it's it's nice to to know that it's coming. It's another one of those things that reinforces, hey, this is a, a thing that is happening, and we're going to get to watch it every week. So thank you, CBS, for releasing a new bit of footage with new characters. Definitely. And it is uh, on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. If you weren't watching Scorpion, um, uh, it's on YouTube under, on the Supergirl official channel uh, called ne- uh, See Never Before Seen Footage of Supergirl. So look it up if you can. And we also got, not only did we get this new uh, look in video form, but we also got a picture of Red Tornado as portrayed by Ido Goldberg. So, Teresa, what do you think about this first attempt at a live-action Red Tornado? Um, It's really interesting because, and I've seen, you know, different reactions on the internet. I like the look of it. Um, and I kind of, as you know, you know, I am kind of more of a Marvel girl Mm -hmm. and the face, um, makeup and all of that kind of reminds me of what they did with the vision in, uh, Age of Ultron. I love the makeup. I'm having a little more trouble with the costume and maybe it's because the photo doesn't do it justice, but it looks like a really spongy, weird material costume. And I was kind of troubled by that. Like the design is cool, but it looks like... It's something that somebody put together for, like, a child's, you know, play at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, like, cool design, but kind of looks hastily put together. And it looks kind of like the, the beginnings of a costume, but not the full thing. Yeah, and I have to remind myself that there's a lot of CG that's going to be associated with this character. So this is not – I think what we're missing here is <laughs> the full effect there's gonna mm. be there's gonna be more effects that are gonna be happening around Red Tornado, I would assume, because Andrew Kreisberg had mentioned that in an interview, and of course, with all of his powers and abilities, there will be more to him. So I have to remember that. Okay, yeah, this is his costume, but there's more to him than this. So I, I definitely don't think that this picture does him justice because uh, I, <laughs> I'm I'm ready to be wowed by whatever they do with Red Tornado. But yeah, I can understand what you mean about the costume. Um, I would expect it since he's an android of sorts. I would have expected it to be more. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if metallic is the word or um, robotic. Uh, yeah, I would expect it to be kind of yeah shinier and more kind of matte and more. I don't know. Um, but again, the makeup looks really great. His face looks great. Um, and you know, like you said, actually, it's a good point that you bring up that, uh, this costume might be in relation to some of the special effects. So there, but there might be a reason why it is made of this material. Maybe, you know, some of it is like flame retardant. Maybe some of it is like, (laughs) you know, designed to reflect, you know, effects of a certain type. I don't think this is like the end all of the costume and I, i'm i was sort of hoping we would see something of the the cape or the you know the collar that kind of comes up around mm-hmm. his head that's sort of what i'm missing here for him um and also the thing on his forehead um i would have expected it to be more solid yellow uh like it is in the comics and on the animated stuff mm-hmm. so uh it just has that little hint of yellow on the side so i was kind of like oh you could just fill it in but because uh, that's what makes me that's I think would what would have separated him for me from you talking about the comparison to vision yeah, as if he yeah. had had more of that on his forehead. But I mean, it's the first time that we've gotten him in live action. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot just because like I didn't know what they could do with him. Right. But, uh, but I think you can definitely tell that he's red and he has the T um, in on his chest. So. Uh, I'm I'm just excited to see what his full appearance will be with the effects and everything. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Um, well, we'll see. Certainly, um, and it is always exciting to to know that it's the first live action version of a character because they can pretty much do anything. Like, oh, yeah, they're they're not like there's nothing that's going to be compared to you know like a movie version or something like that. So um, we'll see what happens with him. Um, in sort of tangentially related news, um, 
We heard this past week that, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, CBS Entertainment Chairman Nina Tassler is stepping down at the end of the year. Um, And we've talked about her a lot because she's, you know, obviously was shepherding in Supergirl as a series for CBS and has been hugely supportive of that. Um, CBS's current chief, uh, Glenn Geller, uh, himself a 14-year company veteran, will move into the role of entertainment president. Uh, this is all from Hollywood Reporter. Um, working closely with Tassler during the transition, uh, Tassler will then turn her attention to her other passions, which include publishing and theater projects, though she's expected to remain in an advisory role at CBS through at least uh, 2017. So yeah, so it looks like she, you know, even though she's leaving, she'll still be at least a little bit uh, you know, through the transition, certainly, and, you know, for a couple more years, we'll be advising uh, on the goings on at CBS. Um, what do what do you think this means for Supergirl? Well, I was really pretty bummed when I saw this news because she has, you know, Nina Tesler has been so instrumental in bringing Supergirl to CBS and kind of embracing the fact that it's a, a female lead in a superhero show. And, uh, so I, I was really hoping she would stay on, but uh, it sounds like her successor was kind of studying under her. And so if if he's if he's kind of following in her footsteps, then maybe it won't be such a bad transition. Maybe it will be a smooth one that, you know, they will continue to support Supergirl. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And, um, you know, good for Nina Tassler. If she's got other things that she wants to pursue, um, you know, it, it, I I will miss her and her association with, with Supergirl, but, um, you know, I wish her the best of luck in whatever she's doing. Definitely. I mean, I personally, as somebody who wants to, you know, eventually go into television myself, like I'm kind of, you know, bummed that, because uh, obviously, you know, television could use more female executives specifically. Um, and she's somebody that I've, you know, always looked up to um, in that capacity. And the fact that she was bringing in shows like Supergirl. I remember that uh, The Hollywood Reporter did like a full spread on her and like all of the female showrunners at CBS and all of the female protagonists on their shows. And she seemed to be really making a difference for the network as far as um telling women's stories and, and hiring women to do uh, stuff behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I mean, publishing and, and you know, theater projects too, which I love. I'm a huge theater nerd. Mm-hmm. So um, if she wants to, pr- you know, produce plays and musicals that I will go see, awesome. Um, and uh, I, we, you know, we're, we're both kind of nerds as far as reading goes as well. So, you know, whatever she's got going on, I'm sure will be hugely successful. I, you know, it's just sad to see like, a prominent female executive in television leave the industry. But, you know, who knows? Maybe she won't be gone for for long or yeah. maybe she'll come back in another way. Yeah. Well, in more upbeat news, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not downbeat. It's just, you it's, know. It's, it's good for Nina Tesler. It's kind yes. of a bummer for us. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, in some good news, uh, Twitter released new stats about their most tweeted about TV shows. And of the new shows debuting this fall, Supergirl is ranked number five with 49,000 tweets. And um, I was so wishing I had some of these stats with me at Dragon Con because I sat on a panel that talked about, uh, I think this one was the superhero fatigue panel that I was a panelist for. And Mm -hmm. I had introduced myself as, you know, one of the hosts of Supergirl Radio. And I was very excited about the Supergirl TV series. And there was this guy at Dragon Con in the, uh, like sitting there as, as someone in the audience, I guess you could say of the panel. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, I, you're the only person I've encountered who is excited about this, this Supergirl show. And I was like, really? And, um, I, I didn't really have much to say to him because I don't, I don't know who he hangs out with. I don't know why yeah. these, I don't know why these people are not excited. Um, and I was like, you know, are, are, are they comic book fans? Cause a lot of comic book fans I know are very excited about Supergirl. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really understand why they're not excited about this. <laughs> but, um, but I wish I had stats to be like, you know, I know a lot of people are excited because the first look trailer on YouTube has over 14 million views. And according to Variety and Listen First 
you know, uh, digital audio rating system for TV, those stats were huge. It accumulated 15.5 million engagements on Facebook and Google Plus and Instagram, Tumblr, Wikipedia, YouTube, all of those social media outlets. And that was just in the 90 days after the CBS upfronts. I wish I had all of that information. I could just yeah. spew at him to be it's like... You just carry around a cheat sheet with all that stuff yeah, on it. Yeah. Oh, I'm the only one? Well, I don't think I'm the only one because here are all these stats. So yeah. it was just kind of a funny interaction I had with him because I was like, I, I, I guess there are some people who are not excited about this, but I know millions of other people are. So I, I just think it's really cool that that Supergirl is really making a name for itself uh, with social social media, and I would encourage everybody if you're on Twitter or even Facebook, you know, use the Supergirl hashtag when you're talking about it, and just uh, let people know you're watching it. Definitely, and I think so. Yeah, like yeah, I've seen people who are like, meh. I'm kind of meh about Supergirl, like online, and I'm like, okay, well. You know, they'll probably watch it just because they're curious. And if they like it, they'll keep watching it. But I also have seen people that are hugely excited over it. Um, but you, you got to remember, too, that not everybody – I mean, this is it's, it's going to be on CBS. So that means they're appealing not just to geeks like us. They're appealing to a mainstream audience. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of the mainstream audience is not interacting with the show the same way the geeks are. Like, the you know, a mainstream audience might be like, oh, cool. It's a, a show about a female superhero. But they're not going to be on Twitter hashtagging stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they don't necessarily – interact with geek properties the same way as a comic fan would. So you got to remember, this is bigger than us, y'all. Like, yeah. this is bigger This is bigger than just, like, the nerds who are, who are down with DC Comics and read them every week. This is, like, they're aiming for much bigger. And just because you don't see the excitement or the interest in the circles in which you're traveling doesn't mean it's not there, and it doesn't mean it won't be there. That is very true. Well, if you are a hardcore fan and you do want to show – how excited you are about this show. Um, CBS.com has actually started selling Supergirl t-shirts because merchandise is where it's at. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in buying one, you can go to the CBS store at cbsstore.com. Uh, and they've got some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, so check it out and show your support specifically for the show. Yeah, I can always use a new S-Shield t-shirt. I'm on the site now. And they've got the S-Shields. They've got um, some cute shirts with the uh, Supergirl in silhouette flying in the sky. So yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff. And, and there's different versions of the S-Shield too. There's like the one kind of darker but shiny S-Shield. And then the, there's the one that's like more basic and kind of comic book design S-Shield. So yeah, check it out. They have a whole Supergirl page set up. I'm sure they're going to add more stuff as the show goes on and, you know, it becomes more popular, which we know it will. So check it out. And uh, now we've, t- we've, gabbed long enough about all this other stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let's get down into the nitty gritty of our discussion today, which is another character spotlight. And uh, this week we're talking about Hank Henshaw, Uh, whether he's cyborg Superman or an agent with the DEO. There's a lot about Hank Henshaw that we need to discuss. Um, First, we can start start with what we know about the character as he's going to appear on the CBS series. Um, so what we know about the CBS version so far is that obviously he's being played by David Harewood, um, and the CBS character description reads, uh, as an upstart CIA agent, Hank grew obsessed with intergalactic intel. Now in his forties and lording over the DEO, which is the Department of Extra Normal Operations, he is on high alert when Supergirl reveals herself, worried that her otherworldly abilities pose a threat to humankind. So what should we know about Hank Henshaw? Well, he has a really interesting kind of backstory. Um, he first appeared in Superman number 42, um, and later he appeared in Adventures of Superman number 465, and he started out as a crew member aboard a NASA space shuttle called Excalibur. So basically how he ended up getting his cyborg Superman powers uh, originally was that he and uh, – 
the members of the Excalibur crew, which included his wife, Terry. Um, they're part of a LexCorp-designed radiation experiment uh, that is affected by a solar flare, uh, causing the shuttle to crash. And as a result of the radiation exposure, the human bodies of two of his crew members were destroyed. Um, but their minds survived because this is <laughs> comics. Um, science. <laughs> because fake science. And so um, their minds survived and they were able to construct new bodies out of cosmic radiation and bits of earth and wreckage from the shuttle. So initially, luckily, Henshaw and his wife um, didn't suffer any like bad effects at first. And the crew, you know, they traveled to Metropolis in the hopes of using LexCorp facilities to cure the other crewmates who were all messed up. But then during a brief battle with Superman, uh, the crew member that's composed of radiation um, becomes unhinged. He goes crazy and flies into the sun and destroys himself. At this point, Hank Henshaw's body has started to decay and his wife is starting to feel the effects by phasing into an alternate dimension. Um, so with Superman's help, Hank Henshaw is able to use the LexCorp facilities to save Terry, but um, the other <laughs> shuttle member commits suicide. It's this whole thing. It's, it's um, pretty dark. It's dark and intense, this whole like origin of Hank Henshaw. Um, now, th- though his uh, physical body was starting to decay, he was able to transfer his consciousness into the LexCorp mainframe. And this is where things get interesting Um, because now in the mainframe, he's able to control technology. So he's thrilled about this, right? You think, hey, I can totally control all tech and I'm still here, except that when he appears to his wife in a robot body thinking, hey, honey, I'm home, um, the shock of this like bizarre rebirth is way too much for her and she kills herself. So this is just the laugh riot with Hank. Yeah, lots of suicide in his his backstory. (laughs) It's really... It's rough. I would turn into cyborg Superman too if all this yeah. stuff happened to me. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it's really dark. It's uh, and then because of all this bad stuff that happened to him and, and his crewmates and his wife and all of that, he starts to blame Superman. Um, but not before he beams his mind into Superman's birthing matrix. This is the other thing where it's like fake science. <laughs> Um, he beams his mind into the birthing matrix, which is what carried Superman from Krypton. Um, and he creates an exploration craft and goes off to explore space by himself. But then he returns and he returns during the death of Superman story arc, which, uh, was actually three story arcs between 1992 and 1993, um, because Hank Henshaw is now a cyborg. Um, He came back and he's pieced together a body, you know, made of technology that he's gotten into. And he says that he's Superman reborn. And because he had access to the birthing matrix, he had genetic material from Superman and was able to create a genetically identical body. So now he says he's Superman and all the tests prove it because he's got DNA. But the important distinction is that he, I mean, he looks like Superman in terms of like physicality or whatever, but he's like part Superman, part robot. Yeah. And <laughs> the the scary thing for me about Cyborg Superman is his face, because I think it's really disturbing that you have this guy who does look like Superman for most of the physicality of him, except for the face. The face looks really scary. And it's it's disturbing to me because Superman should be this friendly guy who, um, you know, this small town Kansas boy, but Cyborg Superman, he he definitely looks like a villain. Oh yeah, he totally looks creepy. I mean, any any time you've got like like a biological life kind of mixed with a robot, I mean, the Borg, like the Cybermen on Doctor Who, like it's never a good thing when <laughs> when you're when you're mixing like tech and robots. It's it's like they're always villains all the time. Um, and and well, to note, he's he wasn't saying you know that he was Superman. He's he's basically putting himself forward as the next Superman. You know, like he wants to take over. Um, but this happens at the same time as uh, the arrival of other Supermen. Um, we had the Man of Steel, John Henry Irons. Um, we have the Eradicator, who's the last son of Krypton. Uh, and then we have the modern Superboy, who all appeared around the same time. Um, so it's kind of like a battle for who can be the best Superman. Yeah, and from what I remember about the death of Superman is the cyborg Superman kind of tries to take all of them out. Yes. Uh, he has a fight with the Eradicator. Um, he's, you know, messing around with Superboy. And, and those those three do, I, I think the Eradicator did 
do some bad stuff. But they generally do try to do some good things. But Cyborg mm-hmm. Superman is just, he is outright evil. And, yeah. Uh, he, he, he kind of uh, wants to dominate the other supermen, as it were. Well, it's 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 funny because he he starts out actually being a hero. Like when he's when it's just him, he saves people and he does right. stuff. And he's like endorsed by the president. He's like, you know what? Here's this new Superman. Okay, cool. Then the other Superman come in, and it's like, and then that's when he's like competitive and is all like, no, I'm the Superman. Y'all can go away and fight, 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 etc. As you just said. Um, but also, there's a lot of you know the stuff from his past that keeps coming up. Um, he has this overall plan to destroy Coast City, um, and he ends up fighting the other supermen uh, while trying to, you know, pull off that plan. And he wants to destroy Coast City because that's where he and his wife are from, and he wants to erase his past. Like his wife is gone, his his former life is gone, and he wants to like basically take out the whole city because he's sad. Which you know is is horrible and villainous to be sure but it's also kind of sad because like he really did lose a lot so yeah. he um it's like he he kind of went crazy from all this loss he experienced and became a villain because you know his wife is dead his friends are dead he thinks superman had something to do with it you know because of many lies and and lots of misconceptions that he you know has in the story um he just so doesn't wh- deal with his grief very well no, not at all. And he puts the blame in the wrong place and yes. it's it's but he's complicated and I kind of like that about him. So uh Cyborg Superman is definitely scary, but he's also very human, which is is interesting. Um and ironic? I don't know because yeah. he's, he's part of the <laughs> I don't I don't know about if the if the term ironic is uh, used in the correct way uh, there. Thanks, Alanis Morissette. But, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, but I get but, what you mean. But for a cyborg, uh, for a part cyborg to be very human, I think is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. It certainly didn't take away his emotions. If not, it just gave him like, you know, a way to overreact with them. You know, <laughs> like having access to all this technology with someone in his mental state is not a good idea. No. <laughs> Um, we also see Hank Henshaw, in addition to Cyborg Superman, um, we see, uh, a human version of him in the New 52, um, who is a scientist, um, but that is separate from a different Cyborg Superman, um, in the New 52 that Supergirl discovers, uh, on this planet called Inoxia. And apparently, (laughs) this, uh, Cyborg Superman turns out to be Zor-El, um, which is like, what? But um, he apparently has survived Krypton's destruction and has, is reconfigured as a half-man, half-machine by Brainiac. Brainiac basically uh, puts him into a, a half-machine thing, keeps him alive um, to have him scout the universe for stronger species. And I do wonder, since this is like kind of the most recent incarnation of Hank Henshaw, I wonder if this is the one that we're going to see in the show. Um because so far, there's been no kind of indication that David Harewood is going to be Cyborg Superman necessarily. But I do kind of wonder if they will bring Cyborg Superman into things in the same way, where, you know, we might have Hank Henshaw kind of helping Supergirl deal with that, which would also be interesting. Because I think that if you have a Hank Henshaw, you kind of have to have a Cyborg Superman, but they don't necessarily need to be the same person. Yeah, that's a, a strong possibility. Um, I wonder what. David Harewood's Hank, what his backstory will be. I think that will probably play into whatever, if he does become cyborg Superman, that will play heavily into it because if maybe he does have a wife named Terry, or maybe he did have a wife named Terry at some point who died. And maybe that causes him to distrust, uh, Supergirl, um, yeah. at some point. Uh, so I, I want to know more about his backstory and what his family life is like. Um, and to see if they pull any, you know, it could be that, you know, Zorel uh, becomes a cyborg Superman, or it, uh, means that Hank Henshaw has some stuff that he's dealing with from his past that causes him to somehow at some point push him to this future of cyborg Superman. So I, I think any, any option is, is probably very possible. Yeah, no. And, and it would be interesting to see like a human Hank Henshaw kind of get these powers, you know, like to, to watch him kind of struggle with, you know, 
being on the side of good or maybe letting his emotions get the better of him um, and getting those tech powers and what he does with them. Um, also Brainiac, like there's such a strong connection between Supergirl and Brainiac throughout the comics. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to me to see that this cyborg Superman um, was created by Brainiac and now, you know, Hank Henshaw looks human on the show. It kind of gives me hope that there, maybe there will be a Brainiac connection on the CBS series. Oh yeah, I would love to see Brainiac. <laughs> but now as far as powers and abilities um, that Hank Henshaw has, depending on what version uh, you know we see of him, um, he seems to be either a pilot or an astronaut, depending on the, uh, the telling. Um, and now he's a, CIA, a former CIA agent on the, the CBS uh, version. So, you know, he can fly things. He's connected to space. Um, he, you know, is big into intelligence now on the show. So he'll probably have a combination of those skills as a human. Um, as Cyborg Superman, he can transfer his consciousness electronically. So he's super difficult to destroy and he can possess technology as if it's living metal. So he can manipulate stuff. He can like go into something and make it move and control it. Um, so I kind of had this fantasy of, of Hank Henshaw and Livewire kind of teaming up on the show because um, they have similar capabilities. Um, and I think if they ever wanted to team up as villains, they would be a good pair. That would be really cool. Supergirl would have her hands full with the two of them <laughs> at the same time. That would be pretty neat. Oh, and uh, going back to that birthing matrix that he had access to, um, uh, some of his powers come from that as well. It allows him to, uh, he was able to plug into Kryptonian technology um, and Superman's genetic code. And there, you know, is even, you know, connection to whether or not he knows about Superman's secret identity and knows, you know, that he's Clark Kent uh, because of that information he had access to. So, yeah, I mean, Hank is is a really interesting character, and um, and I need to read more comics to catch up on his story. Um, it's interesting to me that Hank kind of started out in the comics as a, you know, a scientist with a wife, and, and he, you know, helped Superman, and Superman helped him, um, and he only went villain after he lost so much. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that is going to be a part of this story that we see on CBS that, um, he'll be one of those characters that we always kind of watch and will have the potential to just go south at any time. Yeah. Um, but he's appeared in other stuff as well. Um, he was in the Smallville Season 11 comic. He was in uh, the Elseworld story, um, JLA, Act of God. He was in a Legion of Superheroes episode called Message in a Bottle. Um, and was a, Well, this is all cyber, Cyborg Superman, really, because uh, most of of the uh, versions of him have been related to Cyborg Superman and not Hank Henshaw as a right. dude. Um, but he's a Superman robot that resembles Cyborg Superman and appears as the property caretaker of the Fortress of Solitude in the 31st century uh, in Legion of Superheroes. And he's voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, who's awesome. Um, in the DC direct-to-DVD movie Superman Doomsday, uh, which is based on the death of Superman, um, that features a variation of Cyborg Superman as well. And um, it's and that to me was a really disappointing version of the story of the death of Superman because the death of Superman has, you know, those three characters who come out of the woodwork, you know, Steel, uh, Superboy, uh, well, the four characters, uh, Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. And they only had the one who comes back and tries to pose himself as Superman reborn. And it was basically just like a Luther clone of Superman. So I, I wish they had gone full, you know, cyborg Superman in that movie. Um, I, I guess they tried to take all of the characteristics of those characters and kind of combine them into one thing. But yeah, it, I, I would I would suggest that if you want to see the full Cyborg Superman and the death of uh, Superman storyline, I would read the comics. Uh, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I, I think what they tried to do was they tried to, you know, make a movie of it, you know, in, a, in an hour and a half. And they just couldn't tell that whole story into uh, into one movie. So they had to kind of compress everything. Well, and there's a reason why it was straight to DVD, um, <laughs> but uh, and not put into a show or you know made more of a big deal out of. Um, 
But now uh, he's also in a lot of video games, including another retelling of The Death and Return of Superman, uh, which apparently came out for um, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis uh, in 1994. Um, So Cyborg Superman is the final boss of that game. And then later on, he's appeared as a boss character in Superman the Man of Steel, um, Injustice Gods Among Us, uh, DC Universe Online, and in Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham. (laughs) Uh, so he's in a lot of video games as well. Um, he's in so much stuff, clearly because he's a really kind of complex, interesting character, and there's so much you can do with him. Um, I personally am really glad that we're starting off uh, with him as a very human character. And obviously he can evolve, and who knows what he'll become, you know, this season or, or as the show goes on. Um, but a lot of the the versions of him are just Cyborg Superman, which is great, but I, I'm, I'm always more interested in, like, how villains become villains. You oh, know, it's, yeah. why, it's why I'm a fan of Gotham. I like seeing them before they have the costumes and the whatever. It's like, how did they get to be so crazy? So I, I do love that we're, we're starting with him as a man first, um, and I'm looking forward to what they do with him on the show. Yeah, I want to see that slow burn of what pushes him over the edge and pushes him yeah. to the point where he uh, he maybe holds a grudge against Supergirl or something like that. I want to see how he gets from good guy, DEO agent to uh, a, a, a villain. So that, that'll be fun to see. And I'm sure that, like, it will be so much fun for David Harewood to go villain after oh, yeah. a while, too. Like, you know, of course he wants to put on, like, cyborg you know, costumes and whatnot. Like, who wouldn't? (laughs) So if only for his sake, I hope that they, you know, do go in that direction eventually just so he can put the costume on. Oh, yeah. That would be so fun. Um, Well, now that we've talked about Hank Henshaw and Cyborg Superman, let's talk about where Hank will be working on the Supergirl series. The DEO, or the Department of Extra Normal Operations. And the DEO was uh, not something I was familiar with before the CBS Supergirl announced that they would be including the DEO. So this has been a a really good learning experience for me to learn about the DEO. Um, So the Department of Extra Normal Operations was co-created by Dan Curtis Johnson and J.H. Williams III and first appeared in Batman number 550. And um, according to the comics, their mission, the DEO's mission, is to watch, protect, and control superhumans, uh, punish them when they're bad, and clean up their messes. Um, so they kind of, they're kind of the cleanup crew. Um, and according to what we've heard about, uh, CBS's Supergirl's version of the DEO, their goal is to protect Earth from extraterrestrial presence and invasion. So they kind of have a similar situation, um, but they, they do operate a little bit differently in the comics, um, just because (laughs) there is a little bit of, uh, punishing and, and cleaning up their messes so that we might see some of that on the show too for the non uh dc folks who might be listening out there they're basically like the shield it sounds like um of dc <laughs> from 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 the job description um they kind of start out protecting um except maybe in reverse they start out protecting uh earth and then start controlling superheroes to kind of keep their powers in check yeah it's it's very similar to that And uh, as I was learning about the DEO, I discovered that there were some uh, operatives that um, were actually part of a lot of stories in the comics. Um, Actually, our friend of the podcast, uh, Michael Bailey, recommended to me uh, to read a graphic novel uh, called Chase. And so some of the agents in the comics um, uh, were uh, the most famous one, I would consider the most famous one, would be Agent Cameron Chase. She's kind of the lead of those stories. Um, And uh, so you get to know a lot about her when you read Chase. Um, There's a character called Mr. Bones, (laughs) um, who is also uh, known as Director Bones, who is the executive director of the DEO. And he's a really scary looking character. And it really cracks me up. I guess things are so wild at the DEO that they think a, a guy in a suit with a skull face is perfectly normal. Um, it would <laughs> it would be really weird for me to have a boss that just had a skull for a face. Um, but they don't seem to mind, uh, mind it at the DEO. 
Um, there's also a character named Agent Sandra Barrett, who is uh, pretty prominent in the, the Chase story. Um, Sarge Steele, who is director of the Department of Metahuman Affairs, which is a subdivision of the DEO. So I wonder if we'll see something like that on uh, CBS's version of the DEO. Um, there's a character named Agent Cliff Hansen who's mentioned. Um, there's also, uh, according to the internet, because uh, these were not um, characters that I read in the stories, um, Kate Spencer, who also goes by the name Manhunter, um, is uh, uh, among uh, the DEO. Um, Al- Alessandra Terracon, I guess is how you say it, Terracon, um, Donald Fight and Ishado Mad, um, Agent Liberty, who we read about in uh, one of the Supergirl comics, uh, is a member of the DEO, and Batwoman uh, was featured with the DEO in the New 52, and actually Batwoman breaks Cameron Chase's arm, so <laughs> that must not have gone very well. Yeah, um, they didn't really get along, I guess. No, I guess not, um, but I, I just thought I would mention these these agents, because I'm curious if we will see them uh, within the CBS Supergirl series. Like, I would love to, especially after now having read Chase and learning more about Cameron Chase specifically, I would love to see her show up and interact with Hank Henshaw. Like, I would, yeah. I, I w- I'm hoping because he's so scary and weird, I'm hoping that Hank Henshaw has a boss named Director Bones. <laughs> that would be really, really cool um, because we don't know who he reports to. So I'm, I'm very interested to see um, if any of these characters show up in the, in the DEO um, on CBS. Yeah, I mean, I could see, like, you know, Chase kind of being um, somebody that, you know, Alex Danvers works with. Um, and maybe, you know, if, if you've got somebody who, uh, you know, is, is all about the DEO all the way and you have Alex who might be a little more conflicted about how to deal with Kara, um, you know, that might actually make for a good, you know, kind of foil or a good, you know, conflict, um, between those two, as well as Hank Henshaw. So it'd be awesome to see. Totally, totally. And, um, the thing about Chase is that it's kind of the story of, how Cameron Chase starts working at the DEO and it kind of, it's not, uh, the, the, the book itself, the compilation of all these issues, it's not, to to me, it was not a complete story. Um, it didn't kind of have a, a beginning, middle and end. It was a lot of kind of different assignments that Cameron Chase has to go on. So, um, I could totally see a situation where, um, on the CBS series, like they get a new recruit who comes in to start working for the DEO um, at some point, maybe like in season two or whatever, if we if we get a season two. Um, so I could see how they could introduce her. And she's a really interesting character. She's a, a former private detective who's recruited by <laughs> Director Bones. Um, uh, <laughs> Love it. She it's like had, Skeletor is your boss. It's, it's very close to that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, she has a reputation of not liking superheroes very much, but when I'm reading the story, she actually kind of has a lot of respect for them. So that's kind of an interesting quirk of her character. Um, she's actually the daughter of a hero known as the acrobat, whose name was Walter Chase, um, who had, you know, a group of heroes called the justice experiment. And he was actually murdered by Dr. Trap, a character called Dr. Trap, who is pretty scary in his own right. He has like a it, it's almost like a mouth, like a sharp, pointy mousetrap as a as a mouth. Um, <laughs> it's a little the justice cr- experiment that sounds like a jazz band. Like, <laughs> and now playing in the uh, in the Oak Room is the justice experiment. And I'm sure um, the justice experiment is a great jazz band. That sounds like <laughs> one I would go listen to. Um, but yeah, so Cameron Chase actually also has uh, some metahuman, uh, like metahuman power. She's um, she's able to kind of make superheroes their she can make their powers backfire. So um, she uh, is not only just a good federal agent; she has powers herself. So that could be nice. a really interesting dynamic uh, to bring into the DEO if they did that. Um, and also in this Chase story, it was just a, a fun read because it had a whole bunch of characters in it. Like you get to see the Suicide Squad and, of course, 
anywhere the Suicide Squad shows up, there's Amanda Waller. Um, the Teen Titans show up. Booster Gold's there. Uh, Hal Jordan's Green Lantern is there uh, with a, a real fun issue. Um, and Cameron Chase actually interacts with Batman quite a bit. And uh, they have a lot of things in common. And uh, he kind of respects her for being smart. And there's this whole thing where she's maybe going to try to find out what his secret identity is. Of course, she ends up thinking that he he might be Alan Scott, but uh, uh, she is wrong. It is Bruce Wayne. Um, so uh, so she she doesn't actually um, she gets a chance to uh, unmask Batman, but she doesn't do it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but you also get to see the Clock King and his little group called the Clock Watchers, who are really fun. Um, you get to see the Flash and Vandal Savage, the Joker, Resurrection Man, who we kind of discovered on Supergirl Radio. And um, we got to see Major Lane, not General Lane. So um, there's an appearance of him in there. So it's a, it's a cool book if you if you want to see, like, um, all of these heroes and these different little stories um, with this Cameron Chase agent of the DEO. And uh, one thing that I thought was really funny in this book is that <laughs> um, Cameron and her sister go see a movie, and it's a movie about Green Lantern, and the Green Lantern is played by Mel Gibson. And I thought, wouldn't that have been something to watch? Uh, <laughs> it would have been something. It would have been something. So, um, yeah. So if you want to learn more about the DEO, I would highly recommend uh, Chase by uh, Dan Curtis Johnson, uh, J.H. Williams III, and Mick Gray. Um, because it gives you a really good idea of what the DEO is like, how it operates, who works there. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited now, having read that, uh, to see what they incorporate into the show. It's true. And I love stuff like that. Like, I, I'm actually looking forward to reading that myself based on your recommendation. And like, uh, it's why stuff like Gotham Central is so cool. I love that reading stories about the, the, the people kind of behind the superheroes and like the organizations that are kind of holding it down, you know, 24 seven, like, you know, it's, it's not always superheroes all the time. Sometimes it's these, you know, regular folks who are, you know, defending us as well which is really cool yeah and just to know that like they are these regular people that who live in this fantastical world yeah and and they have to they, they have to deal with super villains and and superheroes and and they do have to clean up their messes and yeah. and how 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 that puts them out sometimes so yep. it, it's kind of fun to look at it that way um, and what I didn't realize was that the Green Lantern movie from 2011 actually referenced the DEO. Um, it's a very quick thing. Um, it's when Hector Hammond gives Amanda Waller the findings of Abin Sur's autopsy, and he gives it to her in this case that has the DEO inscription on it. And um, you can very clearly see the DEO on the bottom of it. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, it was just funny how, like, I had never heard of the DEO before, and now it's, like, everywhere. So mm -hmm. um, so that's a neat little Easter egg in the Green Lantern movie. So I, I guess that covers the DEO uh, pretty well. Um, so definitely a lot going on there, and I, I hope we get to see uh, – I hope we get to learn about uh, not only Hank Henshaw and, and how he interacts with Supergirl – uh, within the DEO, but maybe we get to meet some of his coworkers. Yeah, and also how Alex Danvers fits into all of this, and and the kind of agent she is, and and what her her skill set is going to be. Because like you know, we saw in this additional footage, you know, she definitely looks badass shooting a gun, so that's taken care of. Um, but what you know, obviously, this is a very this job is very important to her. Um, she's also somebody who's trying to protect her foster sister. Um, so how she's going to interact within this, like hierarchy of this organization when it comes to her family um, versus her duty. Um, you know, so that that is all going to be very interesting to watch. And I, and I want to see how she interacts with Hank. Like, you mm -hmm. know, what, what is their working relationship uh, like? And and are, are they are they partners? Do they go out in the field together? Um, and do they get along? <laughs> yeah. Are they yeah. going to are they are they going to butt heads over Supergirl? So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that dynamic. Totally. Well, um, I mean, that seems to wrap up our discussion uh, for this uh, week's character spotlight of Hank Henshaw and uh, spotlight on the DEO. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. 
And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. Uh, as for me, um, there's some big changes as far as where you can find me. Um, I have my own actual domain name, like an adult. Um, you can find the Teresa Giacino Experience, which is my blog and website, over at TeresaGiacino.com. So no more WordPress in that address. It's just straight up TeresaGiacino.com. Nice. And uh, I'm, I'm legit now. It's exciting. <laughs> um, and I, there I also have started uh, the Teresa Giacino Experience podcast. Um, the first one came out last week. So if you want to give that a listen, um, I'd love to get some feedback on it since it's like my first solo podcast. Um, and I just want to thank uh, – I mean I thanked Andy on – the podcast there, but I want to thank him here too. Uh, Andy B over at uh, Flash Podcast, who's also a uh, producer of Supergirl Radio, um, did a lot to, to kind of answer my questions and help me out um, to start that podcast. Um, and I also want to thank you, Rebecca, because I feel like, you know, your knowledge and expertise and, and, you know, what you've done for Supergirl Radio, like it's taught me a lot and kind of informed a lot of the decisions I made to, to start that podcast over there. So thank you. Oh, sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're able to, uh, take podcasting to the next level. And, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, uh, all your episodes that you're, you're going to be putting out. Yay. Um, and as always, I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, it's at Teresa Giacino. Um, and Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. Um, and I'm also at Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Until next time, I'm still Teresa Giacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And if you're going to save the city from an alien threat, make sure you win. Make sure you win.